Got depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange dreams, same taste, safe place. Therapy is great, and this ain't the same. But we're crying behind sunglasses, anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. This is a Soul Fire production. Hey, 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 Sunnies. Welcome back to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. I'm Katie Dahl, your hostess with the mostest. And just quick disclaimer, this podcast, even though it's about mental health, it is not a substitute for therapy or medical advice. I am not a doctor. I'm just someone who really cares about your mental health. Speaking of which, did you know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I feel like everything has a month now. This is really cool. So I'm glad to celebrate by continuing to destigmatize these conversations, whether it's depression, anxiety, we should feel comfortable being out in the open with it. So if it is your first time here, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really helps us continue to get the word out. And if you want to learn more about whatever it is that we talk about in today's episode, you can check out cryingbehindpod.com. That's where I put up all the episode guides, links to check out more about the guest or any books, movies, et cetera, that we might recommend. So definitely a cool thing to check out. Also, we have a private Facebook support group at facebook.com slash groups slash cryingbehindpod. I'm on Instagram at Katie Dahl or at cryingbehindpod is where I put stuff specifically about the podcast, whether that's beautiful photographs of our guests and inspirational quotes, video clips, depression memes, you know, it's a little bit of a grab bag. It's fun. Now, all that business is out of the way. How are we feeling? How are we feeling today? Well, those of you who have been listening to the last few episodes or following my Instagram stories, I am sorry to say that the duck saga or hashtag Duckgate of 2021 has finally come to an end. After 10 days, the duck's finally gone. So if you want to check out exactly what happened there with the mama and the 12 baby ducklings that were in our yard, they're all safe now. About half of them are actually at a duck sanctuary that we found in Lake Elsinore, the duck pond of Lake Elsinore. So it's a fun place. And now I am just back to normal. Two crazy orange cats and one dog. And mental health wise, I took a break from therapy recently just to kind of reassess what it is that I need because I felt like I had hit a plateau. And I don't think that was any fault of my therapist or me. I think that at least with my journey, I go through ebbs and flows where sometimes I really need it. And then I feel like I'm making a lot of progress and I kind of hit a point where I'm like, okay, I've done everything I can do. I keep showing up to therapy and feeling like I don't have a lot to talk about. So maybe I'll just leave things alone for a while and also, you know, learn those self-coping skills and try to work things out on my own instead of saving it all up and dumping it on a therapist. So now if there's anything wrong with therapy, I think everyone should go, but I think it's also healthy to take breaks once in a while. So I'm trying to get better at the habit of meditating every day, even when I don't feel like I have time. It's, if I can waste a full hour scrolling through Instagram, I mean, I can do 10 minutes of brain clearing. Stay tuned, actually. I want to do a special event later this month where I'm leading a guided meditation and some journal prompts. Uh, I think it'd be really fun to just get a group together, uh, whether it's in person or Zoom or maybe some sort of hybrid so that I can offer and give some stuff back to the community. So on to today's episode. It's super fun. 
We are welcoming Luce Tomlin Brenner. She hosts two different podcasts. One is It's Always Halloween. So that's a really fun, spooky show where she talks about the history of Halloween and witches and different cultural rituals uh, around that holiday. And it's all year round. And then she also hosts You Need to See This, which is about kind of what you would guess, you know, uh, hey, there's this movie. You need to see it. Luce and I talk a lot about how she was able to reclaim her identity after a divorce using CBT therapy, how we're able to set healthy boundaries lots of genre and horror film recommendations, and how porn can be self-care. So without further ado, please enjoy. Today's guest is a little bit spooky, a little bit glamorous, a little bit of everything. She's so much fun. She is a comedian and a host of It's Always Halloween, the podcast and another podcast called You Need to See This. She also has a DIY film collective called Too Much. And she's really into all the different horror and spooky things. And I can't wait to hear more from her. Please welcome Luce Tomlin Brenner. Hello, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's so great to see you uh, virtually. I know it's been more than a year uh, since I've even seen you in person. It's probably been a year and a half since I've even seen you in person. So this is quite a treat. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like I haven't seen anybody. So it's like kind of, you know. But we're we're gonna fix that very soon. I mean, I'm fully vaxxed. How, how are you doing? Me too. On your, well, there you go. Tomorrow. <gasps> yes, it's it's fully done. My two weeks are up. Mazatov. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so exciting. Yeah, my two weeks were up a few days ago, and I'm just feeling like, you know, when you're in Mario Kart and you drive through that star, and it makes you rainbow and invincible, and it plays that music. Yes. You're in it. You're in your <laughs> rainbow invincibility cloak right now. So I feel <laughs> Drive like... through the sky, Katie. Chee chee bang bang it. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Just like going to a restaurant. I'm like, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. This should be your rainbow summer where you just dress like Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you ever play Mario Kart as a kid? I mean, not for a long time. I used to play at other people's houses. I was not allowed to have video games growing up. Oh. I had an Atari because my parents were gifted an Atari for their wedding. Mm -hmm. So we, I had an Atari that I played while all the other kids played, you know, machines that were made like 20 years after that. <laughs> so I played all of my friends like PlayStation and Sega and all of that was at other people's houses whenever I could sneak away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your own junk food, but it was video games. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So it's like I've never gotten super into video games as an adult because it's not a part of my diet, just like I was never allowed to drink pop. Uh, I'm from Ohio, so I say pop. Uh, so I never drink it now. It's never part of like, I'll definitely drink alcohol, but I'm like, yuck, pop is bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Yeah, I call it soda, but I feel like it's it's interesting because different parts of the country, people have different names for those things. Yes, exactly. I'm always broadcasting my Ohio heritage by saying pop and cats. Cats. Cats? Cats. Everybody says I say cats weird, that I put too much A on the cat. And I think that is in Ohio. That's a it's fine. That's an Ohio Midwestern thing. They do that in Australia, too, where it's like all of the vowels have five syllables in them. So if an Australian tells you no, that it's no, 
right? Right. I love it. I love it. That's beautiful. Australians, one of the, one of the few accents I can kind of sort of do. I'm not an accent girl. Maybe it's the Ohio nasally aspect of my background. There you go. Uh, So since this is uh, my virtual unlicensed therapy office, I have to ask uh, mental health check-in. How are we feeling today? Uh, we're feeling pretty good today. I'm listening to another. I love podcasts. If you, I host two of my own. I love guesting on them. I listen to podcasts all day long. So I listened to one of my favorite podcasts before you and I jumped on called the uh, Happiness Lab okay. by Lori Santo, who's a happiness uh, professor and researcher at Harvard. And uh, I was just listening to uh, Happiness Lessons of the Ancients, all about like this. I hadn't heard of it before, but uh, Taoism, which I had heard of, and Laoism, which is all about moving slow and doing things more deliberately and just not basically racing or being fast at all. And so all day long, I've been trying to like slowly move from one task to another task and walk through the house very slowly. I'm trying to learn a new way of doing things. I'm a rusher. Yeah. Do you rush? Yeah. Are you quick? Are you a hare or a tortoise? Uh, me? Oh, um, mm-hmm. so I would say, I would say I'm fast, but at the same time, like I am good at dedicating myself to a long-term project and seeing it through. Yes, I agree with that. So it, I know that maybe that's a little bit of a contradiction, but um, yeah, I, I would say my fatal flaw, my Achilles heel is my impatience. So I'm I agree. fast. Fast. I'm always in a hurry and I'm really impatient <laughs> and I'm also always leaving things at home. So I'll rush out the door and then I'll be like, I don't have my keys and I'll rush back in and then I will have left my sunglasses and then my mask. And it's like, I wonder if I could just listening to this podcast today. I've been having this thought all day. I'm like, I have this idea that if I don't, I'm going to be late. I'm always late. Mm. I'm always rushing from one thing to another thing because I also forget things and stuff gets, you know, tangled and so I get mud on me you know (laughs) it's always like a slight like disaster when I move from one place to another place never when I'm just in one place and so I was like I really am thinking about this all day I'm like how can I slow my life down and would that make a difference because they're saying that even if you go slower you're less likely to make you're less likely to make mistakes you're less likely to show up places late you're less likely to be, you know, kind of have that, oh, I'm catching up. What What's going on? That harried sort of perspective, which I bring a little bit into every place when I get there because I'm like, oh, traffic, oh, parking, oh, my drink that I spilled, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that's also part of your charm, right? Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I like to chaotically uh, breeze into a room and pull everybody into my big, hot energy. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's confidence. Yes. Oh, all right. So one time at my friend's 21st birthday party in college, uh, he had a party. Half of the party, once he turned 21 at midnight, we walked next door to the bar and then the other half of the party stayed at the house. And so we all went, had a few drinks, came back even more rip roaring drunk to the apartment. I was leading the way and I was excited to be back and I wanted to have a grand entrance. So I grabbed the door and I threw it up and I said, we're here. But some reason that I never figured out, they chain locked the door, even though there were people in the apartment and they knew we were coming back. And the person who lived oh, there was no. with us. 
They chain locked the door. So I still threw the door open and it ripped the entire door frame off with it. <laughs> so I threw the door open. I said, we're here. And the entire frame of the door came down with the chain lock. Well, that is that is a dramatic entrance. It was very dramatic. Yes, I've always been trying to capture that energy ever since. <laughs> Did anyone get it? I wish someone got a video of that because that sounds amazing. I there are no videos, but there is a picture of me uh, holding the door frame and laughing. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So it is it is out there. So uh, today, how am I? Is that how I feel today? No, I feel good today. I haven't left the house. Um, so I'm sort of in like work brain. I was doing the pop uh, recording. It's always Halloween before we jumped on. Yeah. So I I. Yeah. And so then I was trying to, I'm just, I'm switching headspaces. Yeah. I was listening to the podcast today um, while I was walking my dog. Ooh, thank you. Of course, uh, which everyone should be listening to. And I just think it's really cool because I've always loved Halloween. Always, always, always. I love to play dress up and I love like the yes. parties. And I also find Halloween parties to me have a different feeling than a normal party because when people are in costume it kind of is a natural icebreaker where you feel like you can go up to anyone and talk to them uh wow yeah that's a great point I never thought of that before (laughs) I don't know that's what I like the most on Halloween and I thought it's really cool that like you have this podcast going all year round and you have listeners from everywhere sending in their emails and their phone calls about their different traditions and it's just so neat how everyone's able to make it their own what is it that that uh drew you to Halloween so much and like what do you what do you love about it oh yeah I mean I have been obsessed with Halloween since before I can remember and my mom doesn't exactly know what it was that got me so into it except for that like they grew up or when I was growing up they were taking me to like our hometown Halloween parade so I have a picture of me at like two dressed as like a kitty in a dress So like I was exposed to like Halloween traditions, you know, we had a cute little neighborhood where all the kids were kind of around the same age. So we would all trick or treat together. And I think I was maybe five or six when I asked my parents if we could decorate the house for Halloween. My mom said that she didn't know where it came from. It was just something I had seen in their houses and I wanted to decorate. And so I think just innately in me, I've always wanted to party (laughs) and decorate and celebrate. And I'm someone who's always really appreciated tradition and ritual and gatherings and community. And Halloween really exemplifies all of those things. Like what you were saying about the Halloween party. In fact, you came to I came the last to one. Halloween party. I think I, yes. Yeah. In 2015, that was before I, I moved from Los Feliz. You were dressed as a unicorn. Was it really that long ago? Yes. Isn't that wild? <laughs> because the year after I was in the middle of moving, so I didn't have a party. And then uh, the year after that, I, I went to parties. I like haven't thrown a Halloween party since 2015. Okay, well, I guess I'm glad I could be at the final one. And yes, I was a, I was there as a unicorn. <laughs> I kind of phoned it in that year. Like I, I always do a DIY costume. Yes, DIY costumes are the best. I always do they that. They have the most love and heart in them. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I like to see the, the little touches. You see people's personality in the way that they dress themselves up for Halloween. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. That year I was a little bit phoned in because I just was like, I got a white onesie and then I got like, I made my own like glittery pink unicorn horn that I strapped on somehow yeah. and put a tail on, put on some sparkly makeup and called it a night. 
Uh, there have been other years when I've done more or less, uh, but yeah, I think uh, that'll be something that I really look forward to this year. Uh, now that we're all like fully vaxxed, like getting out there and being able to yes. really like be in a costume. So I absolutely can't wait. I know I did not dress up this year because I sort of have a feeling that I like to do things exactly the way I want to. And if I can't, then I don't do them. And it, that's not to say like, I mean, flexible, um, you know, when I'm working with other people. But as far I'm like, I'm I don't want to dress up and be alone in my house. Oh, absolutely. Or just me and my boyfriend dress up for a Zoom party. Like, I don't love Zoom get togethers because for me, it underscores the fact that we're not together. Mm. So there are some things that are OK. Like I've enjoyed, you know, interacting with like friends worldwide over Zoom and for like baby showers. When it's like, oh, I would not have been able to go to D.C. for this baby shower anyways. So it is nice to do this. but like. In the beginning of quarantine, when people are having like these regular Zoom get togethers, I was like, no, like <laughs> I need to not constantly be reminded that we can't hang out with these like really subpar hang. Yeah. I'd rather just like mute it and wait. Like, I just want to go into like a capsule and be like, that's cool. I'm cryogenically frozen now. Wake me again when this is over. Mm -hmm. So I did not do a lot of like Zoom hangs or parties or anything like that. And so the way I celebrated Halloween last year was finally starting this podcast, which has actually been a dream of mine for years because I always wanted, I'm obsessed with history. I always wanted to examine the history behind Halloween and Halloween icons. And there's nothing like that out there. And every year it bothered me. I'd be getting ready for a party or I'd be decorating and I wanted to listen to something. That was like not just two boys talking about like, you know, some nostalgic thing from the 90s. Like, let's talk about Garfield's Halloween. Like, you can only do that so many times. I wanted to hear like some fucking facts. So, uh, yeah, so I started doing research and then I started the uh, podcast last September and then it just kind of blew up and has been going really strong since. And now I take I do the small frights episodes that are the community call in episodes every week. And then I take breaks and I do research a couple of months and then I put out history episodes, breaks, more history, breaks, more history. Yeah. But that's been my Halloween party this year. Yeah. So if you guys start listening to her podcast, um, I would recommend starting from the beginning, which is not something that I did uh, because I think if you start from the <laughs> beginning, then you get the history of Halloween um, and then you can really go through it. And it's very like, that's an interesting way to go about it. Um, not that the other episodes aren't interesting, but because it, it's cool to exactly. hear from people all over the world and how they're celebrating Halloween. But if you want to get a little bit more of an education, it's it's cool to listen to the earlier episodes. Yeah. And there's a lot of chronological stuff. And I'm always referencing the episodes that came before. So, yeah, definitely start from the beginning. Um, so you get the full story. Yeah. But thanks so much for listening, Katie. Always. I appreciate it. I'm here to support. <laughs> I'm here to hold space. So how did you get into comedy was it like because I feel like I interview a lot of comedians on this podcast and it goes one of two ways like some people are like oh I was just a natural performer and a very happy child and now I continue that into my adulthood and then other people are like oh I had a really <laughs> fucked up childhood and the way that I deal with my pain is that I make art uh do you fall anywhere on that spectrum or is, does any of that resonate for you well definitely um yeah 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 definitely all of it resonates for me. Um, I think that I had a very average, uh, I've had an average living experience as far as a great deal of trauma, but a great deal of good things have happened as well. I believe that we live in a deeply traumatic world that violates us 
uh, almost in a daily way. So I do think that it's, um, I find art to be very healing. And I think that art, nature, and the relationships that we build with each other are really the only things that like keep us tied to our humanity. And if we look too far, like outside of that, either for like monetary validation or just, you know, accumulating objects, then we're going to constantly feel like empty and not enough. So um, I don't know, like as far as like having a difficult like coming to comedy for me was because I did grow up as a performer, as a theater kid. I do think Halloween is sort of a theater kid's holiday. Oh, the yeah. more I've been thinking about it. Oh, yeah. The dressing up, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> the walking in a room and being like, behold, <laughs> I, mommy. Or like, like having an excuse to talk in a weird accent all night. Oh my gosh, absolutely. So maybe that's it because I also was enrolled in musical theater camp at the age of six and then regularly did like community theater and, and elementary school and junior high and high school theater. And so then in college, I didn't like our college theater program. I went to Bowling Green State University, which is in Northwest Ohio, outside of Toledo. And I just, it was right after, um, it was a couple years after 9-11 and we were like, right, we were in the war. And I was just like, so upset and so focused on everything that was going wrong with our administration. I was really involved politically and in activism stuff. And I just, nobody in our theater department was like tuned into anything. And it was all very like theater, which totally, but all of my friends in high school, we were all punks and we were all like really involved in like going out to shows and doing like activisty type of things and like walkouts and marches and stuff. And so when I went to college and like no one in theater cared about that shit and everybody was like really me focused, I got super turned off and I changed my major to, um, ended up double majoring in women's studies and American culture studies and doing, um, film criticism through like a feminist lens essentially. And so I wrote about like film and culture and television through like uh, everything I was learning about in women's studies. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, that's when I really got an education on like anti-racism and classism and ethnocentrism and class and I said classism, sexism and misogyny. So I really like got into all of that stuff around that time because the war basically got me hyped and angry. So I moved away from theater at that point. But then after a few years outside of Outside of not doing theater, I can, came back to it through comedy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, a roundabout thing. But I think it was at the point where I was like, the world is a horrible place. I need to like work and fix things in the world. And I got into doing um, nonprofit work with domestic violence centers. And so I worked as a crisis counselor for sexual assault and domestic violence um, nonprofits for years and did improv. <laughs> at night on the side. <laughs> wow. You know what stood out to me was that I think with activism, regardless of how it is you get radicalized for you, it was like the war or whatever, it's you're able to use your anger. And I feel like in our society, a lot of times anger is kind of categorized as a negative emotion or also mm, an absolutely. emotion that women like aren't supposed to have. Like it's an, a mm -hmm. male thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, definitely. And, it's just, it's interesting because I feel like you can actually use it as a positive motivator when you're doing these things, um, whether it's protesting or volunteering. 
Well, and I also think that like you can't make the best possible art unless you have a little bit of anger in you, because I think good art is you can be really silly. Right. But I think it's really I think art, good art can be either really just like silly and fun or it can be critical of the society that we live in. And sometimes those are the same things. But I I think if you're not in touch with anger, which is one of several normal emotions for people of all genders, then like, how can you be in touch with any of your other emotions to the like depths that you possibly can be? You're, you're closing off a part of yourself and that doesn't just not have an effect. Right. You know, right. Because you're only saying like, oh, I only want to feel happy and I only want to like think about the things that don't piss me off. And if something pisses me off, I'm just going to push those feelings down. Like that's going to bubble up somewhere, right? Those are going somewhere. <laughs> there is no down. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all, you're, it's all the same goop. Like you're just, you're not looking at it. And now it's turning into like a crazy, like knot of muscles in your back. And you'll just one day be like, I can't turn my head to the left, but it's fine. I feel great. <laughs> I'm happy to say that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And hey, what better way to celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month than by increasing your own self-awareness in therapy? Avi, come on! BetterHelp is the largest online counseling provider with real licensed professionals that can help you with whatever it is that you're going through. You can talk to them by phone, text, or video chat, and there are also financial aid options available. So I want to help you out. My sunnies, this is a special offer just for you. You can get 10% off your first month using my link, betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash cryingbehindpod. With lockdown, I, you have a partner. Do you guys live together? We do. Yes. We moved in together uh, four years ago. So we've been together for five years and then we moved in together like four years ago. Okay. And how has it been um, being together so intensely during lockdown? It's been uh, surprisingly really good. I have been feeling all year and I'm like, this is the, this was the test. Like, I think we're going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He's an intensely easy person to live with. He has his own like life and interests and he loves his job. He's a uh, teacher and a tutor. So he works with teenagers and helps them uh, prepare for ACT and SATs and then helps them do like their college applications. And he teaches a history, uh, history classes as well. So, you know, he and I are constantly talking about he's also really engaged with the world and events and activism. So he and I are always talking about that stuff. Uh, His family is here. He's from Venice. So I think that's been helpful to have one of us have like a, they, they didn't, he didn't see them that much, but just being, you know, kind of down the street definitely did feel comforting for him. And, um, I, he's like a very relaxed person. He's a very calm person. He's not anxious. He doesn't really have depression. Like he, I don't really understand. Never seemed to struggle with mental illness. He's extremely healthy. And so it's nice. He has a lot of space for me. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You know, I, I forget who I said this to before, but I was like, listen, there can only be like one unstable, crazy person in the relationship. And that person exactly. is me. 
Yes, it's got to be. I, I tried it the other way and it doesn't it doesn't work. And that's when I decided too that I'm like, I can't really be with another artist person because I, I want to have the focus uh-huh. as far as that goes. But he is a very creative person. So he and a great writer. So he actually does help me with a lot, a lot of the research for It's Always Halloween. And he reads all of my scripts and we talk through all the ideas together. And he loves film also. So we're constantly watching movies together and talking about like, the way things are shot and directed and actors. And so he's very in tune with all of it. It's just, he doesn't need any attention. So then I get the sole focus, which is my want. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. We love, I love it's this journey totally for you. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I mean, it was, we were both working for, um, we were both tour managers of two different bands and uh, the band that I was working with opened for his band. Mm-hmm. And so we spent every day together on tour for like a month. And that's how we met. And we both just happened to be living in Los Angeles. So when we came back from tour, then we ended up hanging out and then hooking up and then got really serious in a few months and then moved in together. Wow. <laughs> and it's been wonderful. It's been the, it's the best relationship of my life. Mm. I've never been happier. <laughs> what a sweet story. Yeah, it's really nice. I love this. I, yeah, he's perfect. I, I love, I don't have a bad word to say about him. I've never, I never thought I would actually feel that way about a man. I'm bisexual. And so I've, I've had a lot of really great relationships with women. I've had two good relationships with men and a lot of duds. And I've always thought after uh, I'm divorced after my marriage ended, it was like, I'm, I'm just going to spend more time with women. I miss dating women. And like, I'm just going to go with women from now on for a while. And then that happened for like a couple months. And then Isaac and I just took off and I really it's not what I was looking for but it was just like it really challenged um how much I hated men (laughs) at the time (laughs) and it like really helped me refocus on like what I know that patriarchy hurts men too and that they're also like victims of the same system that we are suffering under and like it helped me like being with a good man helped me like men again. <laughs> That's yeah. Because it's like you you don't want to paint them all with the same broad strokes. And no, I don't want to do that to anybody. Yeah. But it's hard when you're hurt. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I can't speak from any sort of experience as far as divorce, but I know that like I've been through some rough breakups in my life. And uh, you know, that period of healing afterwards can be really tough. Um when you were going through the divorce and everything, like what was the biggest thing that helped you to move forward? Or like what would, mm, or if you met someone, question. yeah, or like if you met someone who was going through it, what, what yeah. would be the best advice to give them? Therapy to like find a good therapist that fits with you. Um, I think a thing that a lot of people maybe who haven't tried therapy or are nervous about therapy don't know is that like your therapist is another relationship in your life, just like when you're trying to make friends or when you're trying to date that or find a nanny. Like it's not, you're not just hiring the first person that comes to you. You're finding the right relationship. And I found my therapist when I was towards the end of my marriage and I knew things were bad and I needed help. And we just clicked like, and she wasn't my first therapist. I had a lot of meh, therapy experiences and then I had a pretty good one when I moved here through Kaiser, which doesn't let you regularly see therapists, which is its own nightmare. And then I eventually found her through a UCB uh, women page that we're both a part of. And yeah, and so somebody on that uh, Facebook group had recommended her and I was like, great. And then I've been with her now for like six or seven years. Wow. And 
she's amazing. Like she's my second favorite person. Like it's like my boyfriend and my therapist and then my friends are my favorite. That's so great. <laughs> but I'm, I'm like obsessed with her. Yeah. Yeah. She just, she knows me really well. She's really funny. She used to, she was a child star. So like she left to do therapy and to do like um, the work that she's in now. And so she knows our industry and that's great. But she also is like, well, I know the pitfalls. So she's like prepared to like discuss that kind of thing. And she just was with me every step of the way. And I don't know what I would have done without therapy because she made sure I came from like an empowered point. Because there's so many times during a traumatic experience where you're just like, I'm the lowest. Mm. Like, this is terrible. Life will always feel this way. A lot of for me, a lot of always never thinking when I'm going through something really difficult, a lot of like, it'll always be this way or I'll never be happy or I've never been happy. Like I simply can't remember any good thing that's happened. And that, and my therapist is always trying to get me out of that because it's like cognitive behavioral therapy, right? We're changing the way your brain is set. So it's like breaking out of that. Yeah, you're like reprogramming. reprogramming. Yeah, no, I've done CBT before and I think it's really awesome. It. Especially for like, I don't know exactly what your... Uh, like for mental illnesses, I like to think of it as kind of a salad bar. It's like, you know, we got a little bit of OCD over here, anxiety, depression, you know, everybody's got a little whatever they've got. For me, I have anxiety and panic disorder. I don't know what 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 you what you're taking from the salad bar. Uh, you can mm-hmm. feel free to share on that. But I feel like the CBT was really helpful for my anxiety because I was able to talk about like, OK, these are the triggers that are happening. So then when those things happen, what's my new plan? Right. And like, how can I practice that? And what are these new habits that I really want to create? And like, okay, these are the thoughts that I don't want to have anymore. So then what am I going to proactively replace them with? And yes, um, I think CBT is a great, it's a great tool. Like it's not for everyone, but I really, I really benefited from it. Yeah. I would definitely recommend that people try it if they haven't tried it yet, because it really is having active tools. It's not just like talk therapy where you're just like going through your day, which was everything I did before this that never helped any anxiety because I felt like I was just reliving the thing that made me stressed. (laughs) And then they put me on my way and I had nothing. I was just really worked up again. Yeah. Whereas exactly what you said, where it's like, all right, I keep having this thought come up and it's not helping me. And like, how can we, how, you know, what can we do with this? Uh, so that I'm thinking about things in a more positive, not even a positive way isn't correct, but a way that serves me. Yeah. That helps me. <laughs> yeah, no, I get what you're saying. That's the other thing that I, I've noticed that I don't love about the self-help and therapy space is labeling certain thoughts as negative or positive, which I'm guilty of. Like I say that, but at the end of the day, thoughts are just thoughts. And we can just decide whether or not they are true for us. And just because you have a thought doesn't mean that you are a bad person or a good person. It's just kind of like, okay, are you going to act on that? Are you going to subscribe to that? It's, you know. Or that that thought is true, right? The feelings are not facts is like such a helpful thing that I always have in the back of my head. And just the fact that like, your truth is no one else's truth. And that like, we're constantly projecting our ideas of the situation onto other people. And I feel like I really learned a lot about, because it's really hard when you're going through something that's life-changing in a bad, hurtful way to not think 
to not make yourself the star of like every situation because everything just feels so bad that like, you know, I, I could like walk into uh, improv um, practice and just be like, if somebody just said something that felt like it sort of had to do with me, but was literally in reality did not, but like reminded me of something I was going through, I would just be like, how could you say that? You know what I'm going through. And like, yes, of course they knew what I was going through. They did not know like the five jumps that I made to like make something about me in that moment. And it was just like, it was so hard to just like take a step back and to learn like where, <laughs> like just where my thoughts were and what was mine and what was another person's and another person's issues that weren't mine and like not taking on other people's feelings. Like there's just so much through the entire divorce process of just boundaries. And it helped me with my ex. It helped me with improv and comedy. It helped me in all my professional relationships and then in my new relationship. And like, if you, if therapy is not something that's accessible to your listeners, I definitely recommend doing as much reading about like codependence and uh, boundaries and building up boundaries, because that I think is just invaluable. Oh, absolutely. It helped heal me so much. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you made such a good point because I've been that person before too, when I'm going through it and you do like, sometimes you, you're, you're the star of your own movie. And you walk into the room and you're just like, oh, like I'm suffering. Everything's about me. And that's just not true. The world is continuing to spin. People are not thinking about you. I'm so sorry to say that to my listeners. People are not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. So like sometimes when people say something, we have to like say, is this actually about me? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Because I would say 100% it's not because even if the person I mean, unless you know, they're like, Oh, excuse me, you ran over my foot. And you foot running over, of course. But I think more than not, a lot of times, even if somebody is mad, you know, I think a common thing is maybe like a friend being hurt that you haven't reached out to them for like four months or something, let's say, right. And they're really upset about it. And then I think a natural instinct of mine in the past would have been like, I'm a terrible friend. I can't believe I didn't reach out to them. I'm the worst. I'm awful. I'm so sorry. Uh, Let me make this up to you and like stop everything that I'm doing and then totally focus on them. Whereas like the reality of the situation is that friend is the one having a hard time right now. Like it's not about the fact that you didn't reach out for four months. It's about the fact that like the friend is having a hard time. They're basically telling you that they love you and they miss you. and uh, you know, maybe you weren't there for them, but there's always this thing where it's like, okay, they never reached out to me either. Right. You're hearing about it now. Right. So it's like, okay, this is a person, like, I hear that this person is struggling. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were going through that. And, uh, how can I be there for you? See what they need, be there for them, tell them, you know, in the future, reach out to me anytime. And I will make, I'll make space for you. But I think this thing that happens is we both hold on to things so much in our relationships, not we as in you and me, but we as in me and every other person I'm interacting with. The royal we. (laughs) Whenever you interact, yeah, whenever you interact with another person, they're coming with so many other things and it's really hard to not, I don't know, you know, hold on to every interaction, you know, like, let's say I saw you at, uh, you know, at the reservoir and I said, hey, and I was really excited to see you, but you had just had a hard phone call that you had just gotten off with. And you were like, oh, hey, Luce, and I wanted to 
be big and loud. And you were like, okay. And you were trying to end it. And then you left. I would in that moment be like, why does Katie hate me? I thought, you know, we haven't seen each other for a year, but I thought she liked me. What? And then I would run through like every single scenario that like when I have any interaction we've ever had trying to figure out what it was that I did. Right. But then now therapized learning about boundaries. What's mine? What's not mine? I could be like, Katie must have had a hard time. I'm going to give her some space, text her in a couple of days, see how she's doing. The way that Katie reacted had nothing to do with me. And like, that's fucking hard as shit. But it is that like, I am not the star of the show. And I think it's hard when we're really depressed or really anxious because we're not thinking of ourselves as egotistical. We think egotistical means like, you know, Ben Affleck making everything well, about him think, and yeah. fucking... You think of egotistical <laughs> as, as someone who's like, I'm great, I'm the best, whatever. But it can also be a different way where it's like, poor uh, me. I'm the worst. Yeah. Yes. And so, yeah. But- yeah, I hurt everybody's feelings. I ruin every friendship. Yeah. And it's like, hold on. Katie had a whole life before she saw you. Maybe she has something going yeah. on. Well, How can yeah. take care of yourself, not beat yourself and, up and also check in on your friend. And I think this is a good point to think about also as we're like re-entering society. I feel like, so many friendships have fallen off during this time because there were so many people that weren't like my best friends, but they were like maybe middle ground friends or acquaintances. Yeah. You know, bye bye friends. We just didn't really keep up with each other. And I, I think, my opinion, hot take: everyone should get a pass. If your friend has not texted <laughs> yes, you absolutely. for like six months, you don't get to be mad at them this year. You don't. I agree because I totally like, agree. We'll be going through so much shit and like you know, now the world's opening up again. So like, you know, at some point, sure, be mad at them. But like, you know, we've we've been going through this really collective, terrible experience. And I think like, at some point, like, I know for me, I kind of limited the amount of people that I was talking to, because the conversations are just so repetitive anyway, like we're not, there's nothing new oh, to talk yeah. about. Okay, I'm stuck at home. My dog did this. What did your cat do? Cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, everyone's sad. Great. I know. I just couldn't. That's why I stopped doing show. I was like, I can't do these shows. I don't want to hear jokes about COVID. I don't want to write jokes about COVID. I yeah. want to pretend like this, like when it's over to be over and never talk about it again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like a bad haircut that we all act like didn't happen in seventh grade. Absolutely. No, that's why I see like, like there, it was interesting seeing the new seasons of television shows that came out during this. And like some TV shows decided to do a COVID season and some of them didn't. And I was just like, yeah, I don't need to watch anything about it. I'm living through it. No, thanks. Mm-hmm. This is my escape. Yes. <laughs> it's like when the progressive commercials were all doing like the Zoom thing. And I was like, I cannot watch commercials of people doing Zoom. This is <laughs> rotting my brain. Like yeah. only watching exploitation films from the 70s. Now, goodbye. <laughs> Ooh, exploitation films from the 70s. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you give us a recommendation of like a great escapist film we should be watching? Well, a great escapist film, you know, <laughs> from the 70s is interesting because there's so much that go into them politically and like uh, socially. And so my taste, I really like grindhouse stuff and exploitation stuff. And I studied a lot of that in school. And so I watch everything kind of from like a, a critical lens and also somebody who like enjoys the style of that time. Um, and I understand how they were made. So I think, you know, there's a lot of really great, um, 
I think, you know, with horror and Halloween, people talk about final girls a lot. And a lot of those lists always comprise like the classic, like white women of like Sydney Prescott from Scream and Laurie Strode from Halloween. But Pam Greer did a lot of really cool work in black exploitation horror as well. And she's in two film series, Blackula and then Scream, Blackula, Scream. She's in both of them, but she's basically a final girl character in Scream, Blackula, Scream. And she's amazing. Um, but then the interesting, you know, political, socioeconomic sort of trivia that goes with that is that white men essentially like cashed in on black exploitation and like they were using black culture to make money during that time. But if you want to watch black exploitation films that are actually made by black people, uh, First of all, I recommend the newer film, uh, Dolomite Is My Name. Yes. Oh, my God. Such a good movie. Yes. Really great about DIY filmmaking, which is my passion. For people who are people really were into Promising Young Woman this year, I, I did not like it. I did not think that it was good. It's not for me. I like rape revenge movies. Uh, I, it was mismarketed as a rape revenge and there wasn't any actual revenge in it, which is my biggest problem. So I love seeing uh, in movies men who abuse women get like tortured and dismembered and killed. So um, if that is something that makes people feel good, if you want to see men get slaughtered, I recommend uh, Ms. 45. I really like a lot, but it you know has rape scenes in it. So there's also a trigger, you know, trigger warning for that as well. Yeah, I thought Promising What Young Woman, like I expected something different from the trailer yeah. than what I saw. Absolutely. The cast is amazing. Let me just say, mm-hmm. Harry Mulligan, amazing. Uh, you know, Laverne Cox, they got Adam Brody. They got the cast is incredible. They're acting the shit out of this totally. movie. But the the whole like the the at the end, I was just kind of like, okay. Like, you know, like it didn't really pay off for me. No, not at all. I don't know. <laughs> Women getting killed is not what I'm signing up for. But the director, Emerald Fennell, interestingly said in interviews that she didn't think that anger was a healthy emotion and that she doesn't think revenge or vengeance is healthy. Huh. And so she ended up writing what I thought was a very toothless script with this, I don't know, this idea that like anger isn't something that should be portrayed in this type of story, which I think is absolutely the opposite. Huh. Well, I mean, watching it, you definitely saw her getting mad. You saw her doing, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. But uh, I will also say a uh, shout out to uh, Christopher mintz Plus. He's a friend of mine and he did great in it as one of the dudes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know a lot of guys that I think of as nice guys that had to be that had to do the worst that had to be the worst guys. Yeah, and I thought it was just really it was interesting casting because she was like, oh, let me cast all these people who you know is like funny or nice people and show them in a different light show like oh yeah any man could find themselves Mm -hmm. in this situation just because you think it's a nice guy doesn't mean they're not capable of this so I thought that was really important to show you know what yeah, I agree. There's actually um, an Italian film that I love called Torso. It's a giallo film, um, which is a, like essentially Italian horror films that are marked by slasher qualities that came pre-American slashers, mm-hmm. um, where it's shown that every single man in the entire movie, you don't know who the killer is, mm-hmm. but the way that it's shot uh, is the camera is always standing in for the different male characters. And it's so like, uh, male gazy on purpose and so like drooly and gross that you're like, oh, every man could be the killer. Every man could be the predator. And it's like, that's the genius in the film as the director, Sergio Martino, was trying to set up the fact that like 
every man has the possibility of being a predator. So until the very end of the film, you cannot figure out who it is. Mm. And so it makes every interaction these women have with men terrifying, even if there's no violence in the scene. Wow. And I think it's genius. <laughs> That's It sounds unnerving also. Uh. It's really unnerving. Yeah, I, I love it though. I really recommend Sergio Martino films. This is great escapism. So on cryingbehindpod.com, I always put like a full episode guide uh, with all of like, you know, movies or books or whatever that we talked about. So I'll be sure to, you know, put all the movies oh, so you guys can go binge watch all these, you know, yeah, it'll be fun. So I, I do have an episode of uh, You Need to See This, my film podcast, all about torso. Uh, so if you want to hear more in depth about that, I'll send that episode for you that you yes. can link as well. We will link that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I get into like Italian art and stuff. So it gets really in depth. <laughs> Ooh, okay. No, I'm, I'm yeah. into this. Uh, yeah, the, so the, the You Need to See This podcast, that is basically about telling you like, you need to see this movie. So that'll be good. Uh, I yes. will definitely link yeah, that. Yeah, underrated gems that people wouldn't necessarily watch otherwise. And it's all spoiler free so that we can convince you to watch it and don't give anything away. There you go. That That's that's difficult to do. So I commend you. Um, I want to ask you before you go, uh, I ask all of my guests this. I have a segment called Hot Tips. Hot Tips, Hot Tips, Hot Tips. Luce, when you have a shitty day, whatever that looks like for you, I don't know, uh, you know, how you had a fight with a friend or maybe you, you in the before times you did a comedy show, you bombed or uh, mm. some sort of creative project just not working out the way you want. You get home. Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't mean to trigger you. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I'm, not, I'm deeply imagining all these scenarios and I hate them. So you, they're very you, good. You well, picked. all of them. Uh, so. You have a bad day. You come home. How are you going to turn that around for yourself and put yourself back in a good mood? Mm-hmm. Yes. If I can have, if it's, if I'm, if everything's going well with Isaac, then I, then like, let's fuck. Like, let's have <laughs> like a sec, like a all out. Let's go all. Let's get the toys. Let's have a scenario. Yes. Let's put two hours aside. Put me in a different frame of mind. Um, if that's not possible, okay, solo masturbation. And then I, you know, find the craziest porn that I can watch that has nothing to do with reality. Focus on that. If I can't, so let's say what is all the craziest, the wait, hold on. You can't breeze by the sex stuff like that. I need to know now. I can't. Well, oh, you okay. can, but I just, I'm going to ask a silly <laughs> question. What is the craziest thing you've ever searched for on like Pornhub or oh my whatever it is? <laughs> is it a whole other podcast? <laughs> uh, listeners, I'm a pervert. I'm a proud perv. Uh, I watch a lot of porn because my first job in, in I was not in porn, but sure. my first job as a teenager working at a video store that had a huge porn section. So I saw a lot of porn at 18 just working okay. around it. So I'm very confident that. The craziest thing I've ever searched for, I can't even begin to imagine. I really, I listen, I'm going to go out on a limb here yep. uh, and just put it out here. I love gangbang scenes. Ooh, okay. I love them. Okay. I have not been in gangbang personally. I love the idea. I love watching people be overwhelmed by sensation. I love overwhelming. Even when I'm like, like I love going to concerts and going to like fairs, amusement parks because of all the lights. And the sounds and all the people and the smells. I love being overwhelmed non-sexually. And I love the idea of being overwhelmed sexually. Like you're just so, like, it's like that gif where that's, there's that girl who's having all the hot dogs just thrown in her face. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's just like, you can't think about anything else because there's just so many dicks everywhere. 
so many, so many dicks, <laughs> pussies, boys, your hands are full. Yes. No, that's totally what it is. You can't think about anything else. So I think that that's where I'm just like, all right, like let's, you can't possibly have problems with friends when you're surrounded by dicks. You have a lot of, you have 10 other things to take care of. First. Yeah. So you were saying, sorry, <laughs> I, I, that was a tangent, but you were saying if sex is not on the table, whether that's solo or with a partner, then what is our other hot tip? what would I do without um okay so uh I would maybe do a bath Uh I love I love a hot bath sometimes I'm too tense for a bath I don't like that you have to wait for the water to fill up I agree I I, I will lose my mind waiting for water to fill up I've given up on a bath coming back right yes Yes, yes, absolutely. I really like going to trails in Griffith Park, mm-hmm. which is a little tiny eatery in the forest. And I like to get a uh, avocado veggie sandwich and a lavender shortbread cookie and a tea. And I sit out in the woods. I eat my food. There's never a lot of people there, but there's always a ton of crows and ravens and um, different little yellow birds and, and other little red birds and a lot of lizards. So I like to be there and just be like, hello, crow friend, hello, lizard friend, and just sort of like be by myself with nobody trying. So I think it's so funny. I'm like, I either want to be completely overwhelmed sensationally, or I want to be completely quiet and just look at animals. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, I think that the, like, it depends on what kind of headspace you're in. So exactly. That's okay. Yeah. And it's like, am I, am I really crampy? Am I mad at Isaac? Can I not be at home? Right. So it's like, those are the things. If that's the thing that I'm going out and eating a sandwich with a lizard. I love it. I love nice it. Yeah. And then. if you live in LA trails cafe, I love that place. It's so great. Yeah. And like, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're not in LA, fine. What is like the place that you like going to? And you're like, listen, this sandwich is $15. It's kind of insane, but it'll make me feel, you know, have a nice treat for yourself to go eat. Take yourself out on a date. I love going out by myself. That's one of my favorite things But that's things been too. the hard thing this last year, right? Because it's like, I just want to go to a fucking cafe and it, not being able to kills me. Oh, that was tough. Yeah, because that's one of my things that I love to do, like, is go out to a cafe, get myself a matcha latte. I got my journal yes. and I'm just going to yes, like, I love matcha lattes. just going to sit there and write in my journal and hang out. Actually. Um, so I, I, I moved to the Valley, but I was living in Eagle rock and, um, there is a coffee shop on the East called side East side <laughs> called muddy paw. <laughs> and they have like, Ooh, it's almost like a dog it. park in the back. Uh, Cute. so I would bring my little dog coconut and let her off leash and she could just like wander around with all the little dogs while I'm having my coffee and I'm on my laptop and it was just so perfect. So, wow. Oh, uh, I love that. It's pretty cool. That's adorable. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't, my favorite matcha latte in on the East side is uh, at stamp proper foods mm. on Los Feliz Boulevard. They make an incredible matcha it's, latte. It's a good one. But yeah, I think <laughs> like. Yeah, spending money on yourself, like going out to eat by yourself, going to the movies by yourself, like this should all be so much more normalized than it is. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree yeah. with you. It's nice to just be like, and like, you don't have to be in your thoughts. You can just notice what you see, you know? Like, I think there's a lot to be said for just being like, wow. That branch is hanging away. I've never seen a branch hang before. Like, just make it really simple, you know, and notice like, huh, look, we've got red dirt here. Who knew we had red dirt? There's just all kinds of shit around us all the time. 
that like, because we are the stars of our own show, we're like not looking at it. And it can be really calming to get out of your head and just be like, what do I see? Yeah. You know, people it makes it, I, for me, it makes a really big difference. Yeah. Yes. People watching. Yeah. Not trying to judge either. Yeah. Yeah. Not trying to be like, look at her. Yuck. But try to be like, oh, look at that. Hmm, interesting. You're better so than like, me. Looking at things with like, I'm so judgmental. <laughs> Looking at things cur- curiously <laughs> helps me be less judgmental for myself as well. Yeah, I tr- I'm trying to be less, but I know that like I've taken that uh, Myers-Briggs personality mm. test and I'm, I'm an ENFJ, which means that I'm judgy. But, you know, like we're, 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 we're working <laughs> on it. We're working on it. We're like I, it's something that I learned in acting school, which I really try to remind myself of is like, listen, if you are judging other people uh, based on nothing, like, especially if you're people watching, mm-hmm. like you don't know them, how could you yeah. ever empathize with that person enough to create art about someone like that? You can't, mm, yeah, you're distancing yeah, yourself exactly. from them, right? So if you want to ever hope to be able to connect with other people, you can't judge them. You have to just be open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. I, st- I think that is still connected to us being the star, though, because it's like it's being like, I would never I couldn't I wouldn't wear that. I wouldn't make that choice. I wouldn't do that. And so there is something to be said for, like, I think trying to not even put yourself in the scenario at all. There's less judgment that comes up at the same time. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're they're on their own path. They're doing their own thing. Yeah, that's like that's that motto, you know, or just like, well, I'm just like constantly watching people make choices that I would never make. And as long as they're not like um, violent choices, I am like, well, that's that's them. That's nice for them. Good for them. Good for them is like what I say constantly. Good for them, because I just am like, I need to not spend any time having feelings about another person's choice. And it's so hard. I think it's really natural. I think we were brought up to be like, ew, 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 ew. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I don't I mean just a Christian society is, is based on that. Right. So like, it's really, it's difficult. We have to, this is the reprogramming, you know, with the CBT stuff where it's just like, all right, let me not have my brain constantly be like, why would she wear that shoe? Why would she wear those leggings? Doesn't she know that good in that? Like, yeah, just good for you. I I like that motto. Good for them. Cause then you're just celebrating them. You're not like, yes, you're sending out that positivity. So I'm constantly trying to celebrate people because it's the only way I know to not be cruel. Yeah, I guess if that makes sense. And I don't I don't think of myself as a cruel person, but I think like just what you said, it's I I think it's easy to just be like, I have I have feelings, I have thoughts, but it's like I just I can't I want to be successful, not successful monetarily, but, you know, I want what I want. I want my podcast to go well. I want my films to be seen I want to make, uh, you know, uh, I want to able to be financially independent and financially stable and be able to donate money to causes that I care about. And I can't do those things when I start concerning myself too much with other people. And I notice that that's my biggest stumbling block is being too worried about people in a lot of different ways. So I love good for them. And I, and you have to really try to think it. If you don't think, if you really don't feel happy for somebody but you saying good for them, good for them, good for them, you actually will start to feel happy. Yeah, other people eventually you convince yourself. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's like a mantra. And it's a, Exactly. Everything is practice. I think we get frustrated when it's like, well, I tried it once and it didn't work. Well, it's like, what have you ever done once that was good? <laughs> 
You didn't just like learn how to shit once. Like your fucking poor parent worked on your shitting skills with you for a year. You just don't remember it. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? Shout out to all the parents out there. I don't have any kids yet. Oh God, no. And I I didn't, I I even adopted a dog that was already potty trained because I didn't want to deal with it. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. No, it's, that is a lot of work. And I commend them for it. Uh, I do not look forward to it when it, when it's my turn to teach someone how to poop. <laughs> Thank you, uh, all the parents out there, for helping us poop. I'm so happy I don't shit my pants anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. So funny. Uh, okay. So you have been a gift. Thank you for being here. Uh, I know. Oh, thank pe- you so much for having people me. People should go listen to It's Always Halloween uh, and to the other podcast, You Need to See This. Um, where can we find you on all the interwebs? So you can find, uh, my pages where I just, you know, talk about everything that I do, uh, on Instagram and Twitter. I'm LTB comedy. Those are my initials. Luce Tomlin Brenner, LTB comedy. Um, and then, uh, for you need to see this, it's need to see pod on Instagram and Twitter. Or it's always Halloween. It's it's always Halloween podcast. The podcasts are on all of the you know regular sites. So wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find it. And then um, follow Too Much Productions for all of the uh, DIY filmmaking stuff that I do with my creative partner uh, Shannon Brown. Yeah, yeah. I actually uh, saw the short film, the the messy one. Oh yeah, messed up, messed up. Yeah, yes. Thank and you. that was so funny because if you love horror comedy, it's a really good one to watch. Uh, because literally like a guy breaks into this girl's apartment and he is because her apartment is so messy. He's not very successful in his efforts to try and kill her. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And that was whole, that was a, um, that was actually, I had that idea when I was going through my divorce because my ex hated all my stuff. I collect a lot of things and he would always complain about how much stuff I owned. And I was just like, what if this stuff could save my life? Like collect things for a reason. And I think that that marginalized people, you know, are often told that, uh, you know, whether your gender or your race, uh, you take up too much space. You're too much. There's something about you that's not like the mainstream and it's too much. But I think that the space that we take up is necessary for our survival. There's a reason that Mm. our personalities or our physical things are created this way. We're all adults. We're, we're doing things that we need to do to live in this world, you know? So that was the impetus behind that. I wanted to have like a funny send up of slashers and home invasion movies, which are, which terrify me. My biggest fear is being murdered. So I had to poke fun at it. I feel like that's a lot of people's fears. I actually, and that makes sense. Cause (laughs) so that's why you call your film collective too much. And I have to say, I think the only people for me, are the people who are too much. I don't want someone who is just enough. I want everyone who is too much. (laughs) Absolutely. Those are my people. Those are the people I understand. I I love like big brassy women. I love women who are just like command a room. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course I love drag queens. I love lots of garish colors. I love things that are like campy and and messy in general. I just think it's a lot more interesting. I, I don't like a too many controlled like spaces. I like it when it's chaotic, but safe at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, uh, yeah, thank you for being here. And uh, yeah, I mean, here's to being too much. <laughs> oh, thank you. And yes, may, may everyone go out in the world and be a little too much. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you liked this episode and that it made you feel less alone. Uh, Please leave a review for us on iTunes and subscribe, rate it, share it with a friend. I would really, really appreciate that. Uh, And if you want to learn more about anything we talked about today or about our guest, Luce, then you can go to cryingbehindpod.com for the episode guide and for the resources, uh, you know, for your own mental health. So thanks again. And until next time, stay cool, stay present. Stay sunny. Here, here, here.